Welcome to the Seek Wilderness Podcast, a platform for outdoor adventures of storytelling, for gaining basic knowledge of hunting, fishing, and woodsmanship, a place to find inspiration to go do epic stuff this week. Seek Wilderness. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seek Wilderness Podcast. You have John and Todd just having a uh, little happy hour session going on to bring you the next episode. Todd, what's happening, man? How are you? Not much, man. I'm doing good. Um, work week's over. Um, all my reports are done. Uh, uh-huh. Everything's done for work for the week, and I am relaxing with a couple of brujas. Dude, do you find it like, can you honestly like break away from work? I, I think I know the answer, but can you like honestly break away from your work like through the weekend? Um, last weekend I had a bunch of phone calls. Um, oh, when, especially yeah, when we were doing that thing that we were doing, um, I came back to my phone and I had a bunch of phone calls. <laughs> but and then yeah. I got a couple more the next day. But it's that's that's a rare. It's yeah, it's not like when I was a maintenance manager and I was getting them three times a night through the night you know this piece of equipment's down and that piece of equipment it's not like that no more all right yeah so so i mean you know that like i'm back with the company that laid laid me and four thousand other people off five years ago and Mm -hmm. they kind of just serendipity whatever god's plan whatever the case i'm back i'm back at there it just it worked out very good opportunity but just in having a conversation with my wife i'm like Look, I'm drawing a line, and if they don't like it, just be ready because I might be let go again. Like I will work the hours that you schedule me to work, but anything other than that, like when I'm on vacation, no laptop. I have a different phone for work, so I'm only carrying my personal phone. You know, weekends, <laughs> yeah, forget about it, and whatever happens, happens. But. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. The older I get, the more you got to have your off time. And your work time and our company is actually pretty good with it. I mean, they send out little notices and everything like, Hey, before you send that email out late on a Friday, you know, yeah. think about the other person and is it, can it possibly wait until Monday morning? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Which is pretty, pretty professional. That's, that's pretty cool. It, and it's just like a, mm. like a little reminder email and it, you know what I mean? Kind of thing that just comes basically from the company. And, and that, that's a really good thing. That um, is good. Now saying that, my first day of vacation next week, Wednesday, um, I'm going to drive down to where I got to go early in the morning because nine o'clock in the morning, I'm on my first day of vacation for the whole year. I got to jump on a call at nine o'clock. Um, really? But yeah, I'll, I'll, find, I'll get down there, get maybe get camp set up and then um, try to find some, maybe go to a McDonald's or something or a Wawa and get some Wi-Fi. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a real quick phone call. I'm not going to be hanging on it for long. I mean, I mean, yeah. do you, do you, do you want to elaborate on what your plans are or no for that, for that, yeah. not, not for so, the phone call for next weekend. That's what I want to next week. Yeah. So Wednesday, um, Greg, the bullhunting fiend and a, a friend, Steve, um, we're heading to one of the early opening States, mm. um, for a velvet hunt. The, it opens on Thursday morning, but I'm going to go down and get camp set up, get, get things and we have wednesday thursday well we got the whole weekend all the way till monday if we want it um set up at a campground and it's a primitive campground so uh, 
Sweet. Yeah, it's all going to be tenting, and then we just got to kind of take a portable, one of those portable showers down there, take showers and, you know, take a sponge bath or whatever. Right, <laughs> whatever right, it is. right. You know what right. I mean? But it's going to be just tenting. It looks like it's going to be hot. I think the opening morning, it looks like it's going to rain. Um, but a lot of things could change between now and then. But yeah, that might no, not be a bad thing. A no, no, I don't. It doesn't look like it's going to cool things off. It's probably just going to make it stickier. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. there, there's no cold front associated with it, but it looks like like 65s in the morning and 87 to 90 in mm. the afternoons. So you think you'll? Nothing I mean, I can't take. I mean, you've already you've already been like pretty vocal about like hunting mornings opening day regardless yeah. of where, regardless of where you are in fact you, you you've changed my mind so i already got i already got if if i got the wind if the wind is right if it's northerly or westerly yeah i have a scrape that i'm going to be sitting on i can guarantee you that yeah that opening yeah. morning yeah um, yep i'm i'm, I'm the same I, i'm saying if, if, if we have anything from the north i am i will be there in the morning if it's a southwest, yeah. if it's a southwest, then I'd be pretty much tinkering with the areas where I think the bucks are that I want to go yeah. for. And, you know, I mean, I'll be hunting good. Jersey on the tent, yeah. so I, I don't want to mess yeah, with that. That's good. You know what I mean? So Yeah, this 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 place here, um, I kind of got snookered in by a bunch of, you know, two-year-olds and younger bucks mm. um probably about 500 yards off of a, a bean field last year back in the cover and they were just they would were just filtering through and i i just thought because there was a lot of big buck sign there mm. um especially older sign not necessarily it, it's basically pines so there's not a lot of places for tracks mm -hmm. um i kind of got snookered in spent a lot of time um in there around those young bucks and the does and, and all that stuff in there. I was getting opportunities at small deer every, every morning and, um, got snookered in by that. And then the last morning of the hunt, I went and sat in there again. I mean, I, obviously I'm not in the same tree. I'm floating around right. yeah. and everything. You know what I mean? Right. I was floating around in there, but I was on, I was off probably, I don't know, whatever, 500 yards off the, off the thing the mm -hmm. last morning i went and sat um over in that general area where i had been sitting for mornings and uh, um then i scouted my way out mm -hmm. and got a little more aggressive because it was the last morning mm -hmm. and i found dude i found um a rub line probably around 650 to 690 yards off that bean field what and i was about 80 yards off of it i was in a different like trail system coming off yeah yeah and over to the side of it about 80 yards um to the west was another whole trail system that i had never seen and it was just a, a that's amazing scrape line all the way through there that was getting pounded that's in, on september 1st you know what yeah, I mean? the, the week yeah. of september 1st yeah so he was there it was a buck that was working scrapes and just really big tracks yeah. you know what i mean and and uh, I've been thinking about that. You I, know what I mean? And 
I was just gonna, the, I, the cool thing is the rotation the rotation on those fields is the same it's corn on the other half and beans on this half so it's setting up to be the same oh so they didn't, the same scenario they didn't flip flop it no they didn't oh. alternate for whatever reason but they did grow um a, a hay they grew hay on the beans and they did a no till on it so the beans are coming up now so okay yeah they, right. did, they did a hay cut they yeah, did a hay yeah, cut yeah. and then over overseeded it you know what I mean with yeah. the no till yeah 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 beans yeah. So, so you're 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 basically picking up where you left off, and I mean you on that specific one, but yeah, all, everything on that, on else that. in the whole area rotated. You know what I mean? Everything yeah, else rotated, yeah. which is good because where I was successful the year before, that is going to be mega beans again, and uh, last year it was corn. Yeah, so it's mega beans. Greg and I put a camera over there, um, but you know. <laughs> I'm not like an in-season scouter unless I'm going into hunt generally. Mm -hmm. But Greg and I, we walked that bean field, and they were all young beans when we walked them. Mm -hmm. And we walked that bean field, and it's a huge bean field. And Mm -hmm. we literally walked that whole perimeter of that that bean field, and there's only – I mean, we're talking huge fields. Right. You know, like Midwestern-sized fields. Yeah, yeah. And we walked it. I mean, it took hours to walk it. And we we generally, you know, walked the field and lots of tracks, lots of areas where they're all here right now. You're, and you know you're, what I mean? You're talking about like you walked the perimeter of the field. We walked the perimeter of the field in the middle of the summer. It was back in June yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And we literally walked around the whole thing. And I know for a fact that there's big bucks that live in there. Yeah. In the, in this place and. We walked around that whole thing, a lot of different size tracks, but around that huge field, the whole perimeter, there was two big bucks that were coming in there. And they were yeah. coming in those areas that they had been coming in for a long time, Yep, in and out of there and feeding in there. You know what I mean? And uh, so sometimes, you know, you got to go in there. You got to find those tracks. I mean, dude. I talk tracks so much. I mean, even when we talk to some of our other guests that are going to be coming up here, you know what I mean? I talk tracks and they, they talk trail cameras and I talk tracks, you know what I mean? Cause I'm not a camera guy, but tracks are right. so important. Like tracks oh, yeah. are real information. Cameras could be lying to you. Like they're, they're not lying to you when they get a picture of the deer, but they could right. be lying to you if you're not getting a picture and the deer was just off the camera. You know what I mean? Like tracks don't I lie. Do. I mean, and you, 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 you know told I mean? me, I mean, when we, we when we were, um, like shoulder to shoulder, looking at pictures. I was I was pulling up my camera. You like or my uh in my app. And you're like, don't rely on the cameras. I'm like, bro, like this this is just like inventory. I want to know what's going on. It gives me an idea mm-hmm. of who's in the neighborhood. Are they come? They haven't come back as of this date. Like they were there June, early July. Haven't come back. But the yeah. um the ag that I that I hunt has totally flip flop. Like. It was mm-hmm. eight years of being now it's corn. So Wow, that's I'm, weird that they yeah. ran beans for eight straight years. Yeah. It's it usually is. they gotta they gotta yeah, every other year, right? The, yeah. It's but, usually every other year because you need you need the rotation for the soil. It's not about what about the crop. Um yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Be, beans yeah, beans put back in and corn steals, you know what I mean, as far as nutrition to the to the soil. So yeah. yeah. But I agree I mean, with you hundred percent. 
Go ahead. South Jersey, we're, we're, we're sugar sand. You know what I mean? We're yeah. beach sand down here. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? We don't have good soil, but, but they hit it, they hit it hard with, with, with fertilizer. So they can, they can pump it up if they want. They can do that. It's just costing more money to do it that way. Yeah. But, yeah. But, I mean, to, to your point though, like you, you, there's, there's nothing like boots on the ground scouting. And I think that's been the most beneficial, um, piece of advice or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. that in, I mean, even come here, in New Jersey, September 10th, if I'm going out in the morning, depending on the wind or whatever, I'm going mm-hmm. in scouting, even in the dark, I'm, I'm looking, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, or yeah. if I, or if I just decided to go that afternoon, like, let, let me, let me take the time, be patient, see what's happening, see where they're eating, see what the browse is, if they're hitting the corn or whatever, you know, yeah, just, I agree with you 110% not to put too much reliability on the, on those trail cameras. Yeah. Uh, and man, there is some killers out there that are using trail cameras and they're, they're getting it tweaked in and how they get in there and, and check their cameras. If, if they're not doing it for long sits, like long soaks on the cameras and they're, and they're utilizing the information. And if they're not sellies, you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know how they're doing it and getting in there and not blowing everything out. I don't I know. It just goes against everything that I feel in my heart. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and what I've seen. Yeah. No, I, that's, this, but- that's, that's what I did. I put, I, I, I have gone all in on cell cameras and mine mm-hmm. just because of, you know, finances and accumulation all, uh, yeah. all, all went out in, in June. And you, right. you can see just, just from trail camera data, you can see, the um, transition behavior, if you will, as, mm-hmm. as soybeans go in and as corn crops, uh, yeah, the corn crops, you know, grow, you, you can tell yeah. like, okay, corn's young, they're going there. Corn's high. I'm, and I'm talking about bucks. Nope. They're mo- They're mm-hmm. moving over to soy. I mean, you can get that kind of, kind of data, yeah. but, but- yeah. But now then again, no. So in in areas like that, and dude, trust me, I'm not a I'm not a crop hunter. I'm not an egg hunter. Right. I'm really not. I'm a I'm a swamp hunter and, yeah, and yeah. big woods hunter. You yep. know what I mean? That that's that's my thing. But um, now when those beans go yeller, yep. and you know what I mean, the the deer are coming off of them, and then they're not going to go back to them until they're brown later in the year, and then um they're going to go to that corn, you know, yep. October, yep. they're going to be in the corn yeah. and they're going to be in the corn until they cut it. You know what I mean? So, I yeah. So that, that, that's how that, that, that change goes. Now, just because a field goes, goes yellow on the beans, doesn't mean it's all bad yet though, because there's going to be some shady spots. Exactly. I was just going to say that. You know what yep. I mean? That are that stayed green. And the, I mean, you think about it in all actuality, like those shady green spots, or like good cover too. They can pop in there in the middle of the daytime and get some something yeah. to eat. I, and generally, the shady spots are places like you can't see from the road real well. Right. You know what I mean? There, yep. there are a couple of corners or a couple of points back in yep. behind the roads where people can't see them. And they, as long as they're not being pressured back there, those little green corners and stuff like that, the the like the north facing corners and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where they're they're basically out of the sun all day. No, some of those beans. We're probably stunted a little bit 
during uh, the growth season. So they were the small ones and now they're going to be the ones that are still growing and they haven't matured yet. And they're in the shade, you know what I mean? So there's some new growth there still. And that's why they stay green. You know know what I mean? And and then they're the the new growth, you know, in the field. I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, and, and I mean, there, this is like living proof. So, um, I was chasing a big, big six pointer last year. Um, that early October, I don't know. I can't remember. I have to look at my videos if it was the first, second, third, whatever, fourth, whatever, but mm-hmm. came out to exactly what you're talking about. Green patch, soybeans. Um, yeah. and uh, unfortunately I missed, but you can't just say, okay, this is this, whatever. September 28th beans are yellow. No, they will. They will. Um, I mean, from my experience, it's like they know the soybeans are almost out, so they'll just eat that up. You know, the green parts, yeah. the green part. They they will avoid the yellow, but yeah, yeah. In later season, come yeah. back, like you said, but yeah, yeah they will. And, and like I said, for for me, I don't hunt egg around here. So, and when I do hunt egg in these early season states that I hunt, they're still really green. Yeah. So it doesn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm hunting green bean fields, yeah. you know what I mean? The travel pattern to and from now. Um, so when we're in Jersey and I'm driving down the road and I look over and see a bean field that I can't hunt cause it's all private and right. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I'm driving through and I see them turn yellow. I think to myself, yep, they're off them. But yeah. if I was like you and I had some private land and I had 80 acres or whatever it is that you have to hunt, mm-hmm. I wouldn't get to know like where those Northern little corners are that, mm-hmm. that stay green a little bit longer because it, you know what I mean? Like that, mm-hmm. that is exactly the same thing as the Oak tree in my swamps that are dropping the white Oak that's dropping acorns that week. That little corner is exactly, that's the, the primary food for that, for that yeah. week or those two weeks while they're still green. You know what I mean? Like the whole field was. So in all actuality, that little, when you have that window of that corner, it's just like that white oak that's dropping for two weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? It is the hot source yeah. of food. Yeah. And you're, you you know where to sit. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, everything's pushed right to that spot. You know what I mean? Like, you know. You know, I got I got to give you props. So I listened to the fall podcast uh, mm-hmm. that, that Aaron does, who we'll have on next week. And um, he had Greg on. I was listening to the one with Greg Litzinger, Bohunt and Fiend. Greg, Greg gave you like huge props on your wisdomship. Um, I don't know if you listened to it or not, but, and, and I know you're not the type of say like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, <laughs> you know, build, build yourself up. But like, that's, I, I, I feel that's something I can gain from you. And, 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 and I'll say this, like just in that 15 minutes while we were at the rack shack, which we talked about on the last episode, like how you explain your, your wordsmanship with, you know, I use it. I use an app to, to see what, you know, kind of tree this is that I'm in or what kind of deer that, you know, what kind of um, plant or weed or whatever this deer is eating. So if I see a deer eating something, I will, after a morning hunt, for example, get down, take a picture of the leaf or whatever. And this app will tell mm-hmm. me what it is, but you just know that stuff, bro. You know, you, you just know that stuff. And that's, that's like a testimony to you. And also like 
you're you're definitely somebody to to learn from when, when it comes to that. Well, I appreciate that, dude. But trust me, it's all mostly probably all failure mm-hmm. that drives you to be better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And any any time that anybody ever asks me anything about hunting stuff like that, to me, it's all about experience. Mm-hmm. Like, if there was an app and there was a a device, or you know, if there's a a scent device and there's an app on your phone and this and that and all this stuff that could make you a, in six months, all those things could make you a better hunter. You still don't have the experience. It, it like, wouldn't be you know enough. I, mean? like, I agree. It's not it going to be like you, like you might have some success with all that stuff and that's good. And that's great. And you're getting some experience over the thing, but somebody takes all that stuff from you and they snatch it from you. You don't have any experience to fall back on. And then what? And yeah. to me, experience is it's all in in all actuality what it really is is it's just muscle memory <laughs> that's what it is like yeah. you, you can you know like muscle memory we, we think about the your physical mm-hmm. you know things that you do with but your mind's got to, in my experience and my beliefs is your mind has muscle memory too like yeah. the things that you do in the woods and the things that you see and the smell and the, all those things they are like you're using all your senses to figure out where deer are. Yeah. And all the times that you've ever seen anything and dude, things got to nail me on the head, like with like a baseball bat. I'm, for it to I'm, stick. The, I'm the same way. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. But over the years, eventually all those things hitting you in the head with the baseball bat, you start to learn like, okay, <laughs> that's, that's success. That's not success. That's success. And you, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then you look for the things that were success and you just like look over at the things that not success. And it's just easy to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Yeah. Like, from all the different times you've been pounded over the head by screwing it up. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's always what I try to preach to people is you just like, if you, when you talk to guys that have been around for a while in their 20s, before they had kids, maybe before they were married or they were young and their wives, um, <laughs> their wives were a little more, um, you, you know, they, they understood, well, they not necessarily understood because my wife understands me. She always has, but in her twenties, she would get a little bit upset with the, the amount of time that I haunted. But mm-hmm. now I understand all that stuff and I try to not do it, but I just try to make make sure I'm doing the right things for the right hunts. You know what I mean? To go in there and, and, and do 10, 15 hunts a year. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. That. But you understand I, what I, I'm saying. I do. I do. And I think, I think that's a really good transition to like today's guest. Right. So, so yeah. we, we, the, the guy that we have on today, um, has spent years in the woods, like, like many of us, when we weren't mm-hmm. married, didn't have kids. Like if we weren't yeah. trying to make money, we were trying to find success, success in the woods and stuff like that. And, um, I mean, Todd, you, you know him better, better than I do. You had the relationship, you you set this up and I just think that's a really good transition because what you're talking about is as you mature, let's say as, as a hunter, you're eventually like obviously gaining age and you have other responsibilities that you have to care to. So it's like, you have to maximize your time in the field and try to mm-hmm. get that success within, you know, let's just say it's 15 sits, 
for, mm-hmm. versus 45 or 50 or more. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just said it very, very well. So I'll let you like kind of talk about uh, the guests we have on today's show. Yeah. So uh, uh, Jason Del Palazzo is uh, a name that a lot of people, uh, probably a face more than a name than, than a lot of people in Jersey um, <laughs> um, will will recognize. Now, Jason, you know, he's a, he looks like a, like a surfer dude. Yeah. He does. You know what I mean? Like he's got, he's always had like this long flowing blonde hair, you know what I mean? And, um, he's, uh, a, a person that most people that have been around for over 15 years or whatever mm-hmm. will remember him and his friend, Brian making DVDs. Um, and you know, we're releasing them back when DVDs were, were a, a thing that everybody did every year, they put together their hunts from one year. And then the next year they were, you know, next summer they would release a DVD. Well, he did that. And then, you know, as his, his story and his progress and the where he's at now will, will speak for itself in, yeah. in the, in the podcast, in the conversation. But at this point right now, he's hunting Jersey. Um, he's, he wouldn't really speak to it really well, but um, he did speak about, some of his pine barren deer that he always had everything aged and he's got, you know, well over, well, let's put it this way. He's got 40 Pope and Youngs that, um, that he shot in most of them are in Jersey. Now he mm-hmm. used to hunt up in the Midwest a little bit more, but so he's got 40 Pope and Youngs and he's got over a hundred mature bucks, mostly in Jersey. Now, He'll explain this in the thing, but he hunted the Pine Barrens a lot of his life. And a mm-hmm. five-year-old Pine Barren buck is generally a 115-inch buck. Mm-hmm. Now, like he explains in the in, in his thing, and I completely agree with him, that 110 to 115, 120-inch buck that's five or six or seven or up to nine years old, he's killed some. Right. That were, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, those are those are 140, 150, 160-inch bucks out in the Midwest. Anywhere else. Yep. With that age class. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're yeah. not going to tape out. Those ones aren't taping out to the, the 125 minimum for Pope and Young. So he's got over 100 mature bucks with archery, archery equipment and, and some gun kills too. Um, what I think for me, that's very, very impressive for yeah. why this guy is not like on every podcast and explaining things. Um, yeah. One of the things that, that um, really stands out to me now is how blood himself He's Hal Blood's cameraman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he drives from Jersey to go up to Maine to, in, in other places wherever Hal's going. Yep. You know what I mean? I mean, just think about that. Yeah. Like Hal that, Blood. That's an incredible. Hal Blood. It's an incredible story it, 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 that it, it, that Jason shares. Like how how that whole relationship like came about with 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 Hal yes. Blood, which is mm-hmm. really impressive. I think I think for me, like I didn't I didn't know of Jason until you mentioned him to me. Mm-hmm. Well, he was one of the very first people that I said, and I reached yep. out to him right away when we decided we were going to do this. I said, we got to, he's got to be on there. Yep, you and did. He's somebody that all the rest of the podcasters are, do, have never had on before. Here's our, here's our angel that we're going to say this We're going to be the first ones to bring him. It's going mean? like, to so. put Seek Wilderness podcast on the map. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I, I, I will say like from somebody new coming in just to, to, kind of explain to to our listeners like i think the most impressive i have like two or three like bullet items that were most impressive to me and the first Mm -hmm. the first as you will learn is that 
this is all from his own desire. He he really wasn't introduced to hunting. He didn't have a mentor, like a physical mentor that took him out hunting. He just mm-hmm. he just had the desire to go, and yeah. and, and he did it. And I think that's, that's bullet point number one. And I think the other one too is like a lot of listeners are, you know, public land hunters. Um, we have some private land hunters that, that are, you know, the private land might as well be public land and, and stuff like that. But, uh, Jason, Jason lives in a very urban area. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, and he finds, he has, uh, and I think a lot of this has to do with the fact, I mean, he's a landscape contractor. So, so he's tra- traveling a lot and, 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 and able to build relationships and stuff. He has a network of people that he has built relationships with um, to really hone in on the key areas of big deer after, after he met, after he kind of like uh, locates. So let's just say he's coming home from, from work uh, on, on a job, uh, in the evening and he sees like a buck he wants to chase. Well, he has a network of people that he's able to kind of like reach out to and get permission. So he's hunting permission property. He's still hunting public land, whatever the case may be. Um, and he still does utilize like cameras and stuff like that. But if you think about it this way, like he, he knows if a buck that his primary area is just say like area a for example um he knows if that buck's pressured he knows where area b is area c is and area d is for that buck i mean he knows from you know if this amount of pressure is being put on this buck that he wants to chase he knows exactly where it's going Yes. Yep. Which, which is why he has success. And, and we're, we're talking like it could be on a, a 10 acre piece of property. Um, I mean, obviously it could be bigger too, but, and he shared, he he shares more of that. And then the last, the last, the last item that I would say what, what impressed me most was like just his passion for film. He, he, he shares a story to where he has, you know, well, number one, he's like, I got six, six buck tags to fill in a season. And there's not many seasons that go by where I don't fill them. And he wasn't saying it from like a prideful standpoint. He's just yeah. saying it from a passion standpoint. He, that like mm-hmm. his heart's desire, he's a hunter. He's a killer. I mean, this dude is a killer. Yeah. And I, I, I think what was most impressive for me, like out of all those, you know, the trophies, the records that he has, his most impressive story had nothing to do with him killing it, but yet him filming a very close friend of him doing it, which tells a lot about a guy, right? Yeah, uh, especially in this industry. So, yeah. industry. So, you know, without yeah, so you know, you going podcast, too much into so detail, do, do, do people need to stay in there and listen I did. to the whole thing? Did or, I? Or, or so, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm excited. I'm excited about it, dude. I'll tell you, it was it was yeah. an. I was like, I was like really impressed with this guy. Like not not with him, just like his story, his background, his character, and all that. So I'm I'm gonna shut yeah. up, man. Just bring us into this one, Todd. All right. So this is this is uh, Jason Del Della Palazzo. And 
I hope everybody enjoys this. There's some there's some controversial things in here that he talks about and some of the ways that he hunts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But stick with it and listen to the whole thing. And and uh, it's a little bit different. So yeah. listen to Jason. Here we go. All right. We're live. Welcome back to the Seek Wilderness podcast. Um, tonight, we got a very special guest, uh, Jason Del Palazzo. Did I did I do that somewhat justice That's there? Pretty my good, yeah, not That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Good deal. So uh, Jason has uh, I've not necessarily known Jason um, and spoke with him, but I've been watching a lot of the things that he he's been doing for probably twelve to fourteen, fifteen years or something like that. Probably in the mid two thousands when he was recording and re- releasing. Uh, DVD and stuff like that. Um, been watching a lot of his stuff, and then uh, he kind of seemed like he dropped off there a little bit. And then I seen him with uh, the Big Woods Bucks guys. So, Jason, um, mm-hmm. welcome. And uh, why don't you go ahead and for our listeners and, and uh, give a little introduction to who you are and and uh, what brings you onto the podcast talking about whitetail deer. Yeah, well, um, my name is Jason Del Plazo. I, you know, uh, I'm from Haynesport, New Jersey. Um, I have a landscape and masonry business and I've done that my whole life since high school. So I've been able to, you know, it's allowed me to kind of spend a lot of time in the woods hunting and stuff like that and filming and all that. So that's kind of my passion in life. And, um, you know, I'm pretty much all in with that hobby and Mm -hmm. that's, uh, any free time I have these days gets devoted to that, you know, but it's hard with the wife and kids nowadays not like it used to be but uh i'm still all in when i can you know <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah well, absolutely. all in so let, let's talk about all in so all in for you what last year i think you broke a state record in velvet or was it a deer from last year the year before um well yeah i had the one you know i've had that one typical record and then i got another one um in 2020 Mm-hmm. And that one was um, a different one. It was actually like my first crossbow deer. So that was number one in that category. So I got two of them now, which is pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah. They're velvet bucks, those those two specific deer? or Yeah. 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 They're both yeah. velvet bucks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're your your most recent kills. But if we go back and look at your, your time in the whitetail uh, woods, um, why don't you go ahead and kind of tell people that may may not know you and listeners from outside the area, um, like how many how many uh, book bucks do you have or, you know? Well, it's funny. Um, we were just talking about this up at the Hunstock show when I was doing um, the one seminar thing. The guy was asking about that. And so the first half of my career, uh, I mainly because I grew up in the Pine Barrens, you know, in our public oh. land. So the first half of my career, I spent exclusively hunting out there, you know, on that public and out in the pines and out there. And I've always been kind of, you know, fascinated with deer age and all that stuff. So a lot of those bucks that I was killing out there um, were not book bucks, but they're, you know, fully mature five to nine year old bucks or four and a half. Excuse me. It was most of them were four and a half to nine. I think I only shot one that was under that, that I sent in to get aged. And, you know, being that we have six tags here in New Jersey, there was many years 
when I filled all six tags, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. always usually get three to six bucks, you know? Um, so I've really been able to rack up a high number of kills because of that, you know, just mm -hmm. because, you, you know, I mean, you can basically, you know, the deal in New Jersey, you can hunt for six months, you know, it's, it's six tags. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot of, you can put down a lot of kills. So a lot of those bucks, um, that were five and seven years old were really averaging around 110, 115 inches. Mm -hmm. So they looked really big. Like if you saw trail cam pictures of them, you're like, wow, it's a giant, but they're not, they're, they're on 90 pound bodies, you know, hundred pound bodies. Right. So they're just not high scoring bucks. And like the way I look at it is, I mean, a, a five and seven year old buck in public land in the Pine Barrens, 110 inches. That's like, killing a 150 in kansas is no different you know i mean that's you know what the average bucks are so as far as um i kill a lot of deer in the pines you know i mean 50 60 mature bucks um i've probably killed and sent in to get aged you know mm -hmm. for cementum mm -hmm. results and they're all like i said they're all four and a half nine and a half and i think the highest scoring buck i ever killed in the pines was um 137 there was really lousy genetics in my area. I mean, there's some areas of the pines that have really good genetics, you know, like you get into Jackson up there in Monmouth County, um, you know, even Ocean County, they have some really good pine bucks. But where I was in Burlington County, it was like the worst of the worst. I mean, it's just small deer, small racks. And then it wasn't until I started moving, then I kind of wanted to try and kill some higher inch deer. It's like, oh, you know, let me try for some bigger racks. And that's when I moved started hunting um that was about around the same time that i got my first house you know like 20 years ago and um mm -hmm. then i started hunting around here and that's when i ran into the bigger bucks because around here you know a lot of these 140 inch bucks that i'm killing are, are four and a half you know five and a half um so you know that's what i've been killing a lot of lately um you know so I don't know how many, you know, book bucks. I don't really keep track. I don't, I don't really even enter them, you know. But mm -hmm. um, it's funny. I just got – it was pretty cool, though. I just took a cool – my dad just took this cool picture. In 2020, I shot the three, three over 140, and that one buck was like um, I think 130 or 129. So that was a good year, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I just took a cool picture with all those mounts. It's really, really, my dad took these photographers. It's actually really nice. But, um, that's good. Yeah. So lately I've been getting higher scoring deer just because that's where I hunt. You know, that's what, that's what a four mm -hmm. to seven year old scores around here. You know, one, 125 and up usually. So I think a lot of guys have, don't really factor that in, you know, like, I mean, to go kill a 140 in Ohio, I mean, anybody can, can do that, you know. I mean, any average hunter I know from around here can go kill a 140 in Ohio. But, you know, um, trying to do that around here is a different game, you know. So, um, yeah, I don't certainly. get lost in, in score. And that's the thing, like, you know, if I displayed a bunch of my pine barren mounts, you know, they're 110 inches. People will look at that like, oh, what's that thing, you know. But, um <laughs> Really, it's, it's, it's you know, five-year-old buck on public land, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Most, most people most people from around the area know know the different subspecies that we got. We probably got three different subspecies, at least in Jersey. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And it's yeah. so amazing yeah. because you can go out, like I said, I was killing, when I was hunting both at the same time, both areas, you know, 
you could kill a 90 pound seven year old buck in the pine barrens and you can kill you can go over to um areas like morristown that have really high um or big big body genetics and you can kill a 200 plus pounder 20 minutes away you know it's like crazy just 20 minutes and you have like two different species of deer completely so it's always kind of fascinated me you know so now that you're in the Haynes Point area and you're hunting lo- a little more local and whatnot, um, yeah, how, how does that change the way you're you're hunting compared to where you were when you were in the pines? Oh, well, it's hundred percent different. Hundred percent different. 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 Yeah. I mean, the, that was big woods out there, you know. And here, it's it's a perfect mix around here. We have farmland. It's all small mm-hmm. woodlots, though. So it's farmland, and you get into the a lot of the residential type stuff. You know, okay. and then some industrial park stuff and even some city, you know, got mm-hmm. going into some pretty bad um, ghetto areas and shot some, you know, so it's yeah. a totally different game. You know, well, I want to I want to talk yeah. talk yeah. about that a little bit if you're if you're able to um, like your your process um, yeah. in, in, in finding these these small pieces without giving, you know, a whole lot of way. So everybody's not finding these pieces, you know, just examples or oh, yeah. you know, like how you go about it. You know what I mean? Can you share a little bit more? Absolutely. About that? No. Um, yeah. So I just, like I said, I was just doing a seminar on this up at that Hunstock thing. And, and what I'm looking for, see around, this is specific to where I hunt and, and live now because I don't have the time to drive all over the state. Like I used to, I mean, I used to hunt everywhere. When we used to film it. I used to hunt Monmouth, Somerset, Salem, everywhere. I'd be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now with my kids, um, as I want to be around for them when I do have free time, which is not much. So I'm focusing on a, on a five, 10 minute radius around my house. Like I'm going to try and kill the best deer that's around here. Cause, and that's my game now. Right. So, right. which now it's changed even more because now my son has his license. So really now it's different, but so the way it works for me is, and this is what I found, um, I found that all the best spots that I have and the ones and what I'm looking for is just basically around here. It's where is nobody hunting, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's so few big bucks around here, you know, like, you know, um, people might think like, like, for example, this is how bad it is around my area. You know, my friends, uh, I know a group of guys that they have a group and they're all, you know, pretty good hunters and all hardcore. They had, couple of years ago they had out 37 cameras in good spots over bait and and trails too and they had i think two or three bucks over 125 inches on 37 cameras right good spots. yeah that's yeah so that's how that's yeah. how hard it is so like like around mm-hmm. here like you don't you don't just go hunting like you have to i have to find from a tip where is a good buck alive like where's the one good one And then I have to go after him, you know? So that's usually the way it works for me. But I do have a group of spots that I, you know, go to every year and check, you know, see what's what. And all these good spots have that same thing in common. Um, There's just no pressure there because any of these bucks that are able to survive to four, five, six, seven around here, um, they've all been shot at or shot. You know, usually any buck I kill has a hole in it from an arrow or a scar or right. or something, um, and they're all pressured. So, so basically, I know 
like a, there's like you'll maybe see a few around now out in velvet, you know, like here or there, and then then Bucks are all going to get pressured once the season starts, and they're going to go somewhere else. And I know where they go. I found these spots where they go, and it's funny because it has nothing to do with the quality of the habitat. It's strictly where's there no pressure, you know, yeah. and a little bit of habitat, but. Like some of the worst looking woodlots you'll ever see were always my best spots. Like the best spots that I've ever had, all you would drive by them all day long and you would laugh. The, like that, the, for example, my one um, state record buck, that velvet, that 170 inch typical, that buck was eight and a half years old. There's a thousand people driving by that buck all day long. And you could see right through the woodlot where it lived. It lived in two woodlots. And, um, you just you would overlook it every time, you know. But that's where he was because I was the only guy hunting in there, and he he lived across the street too. There was a guy hunting in there, but he one guy, but he obviously he knew how to avoid that guy, because mm-hmm. um, he just had one stand in there, you know, in the middle of the woods. Yeah. So basically, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for spots with low pressure, you know, because that's where the, the ones that I'm going to hunt are going to be. You know, so, so you find and, you, like oh, go ahead. No, keep going. So, so you you've you locate these these bucks like in the example that if you're looking, you're driving down the road, work, going to work or whatever the case is, and you mm-hmm. you locate a, a buck that you might want to chase, and then from there you feel okay, whether it's public, private, whatever the case may be, you just figure out a way to get the permission or whatever you need to go on there and and, and get exactly. it exactly regardless. Okay, it's, it's exactly. kind of like and it's almost like seek seek one. Are you familiar with seek one? Uh, out of yeah, out of Atlanta, I, I've, fairly yeah, I've I've seen them before. Yeah, I've heard of them. I listen. Somebody, <clears throat> I just don't have the time to to, to do a lot of listening right. and, and watching and stuff. But um, one of the few ones that I've ever listened to was one from from Seek One. Yeah, and about what they were doing and stuff. Um, you know, so I am familiar with them. Yeah, yeah. they're doing the same thing I'm doing. They just have giant buck genetics yeah, out sure, there. You know, sure, sure, sure. that's. But it was interesting when I did listen to them. Their deer were much different than uh, the ones that I hunt, and just in how they traveled. You know, it was kind of interesting to hear that. I, I did enjoy, very much enjoy listening to that. You know, mm-hmm. um, and hearing about what their deer do. But, but yeah, that's that's my game. And, and one thing I have as an advantage is I have the landscape business, so I can yeah, I can offer that <laughs> to some people. But most of the spots that I hunt. Um, aren't permission spots. I mean, most of the spots I hunt are like open space, gray area type areas that everybody else is hunting. You know, like it's me and all the other locals. So, you know, I really only have permission in a couple spots. Um, okay. And everything else is I'm just hunting woodlots, whatever, along with other guys. But I'm usually on the other side or just doing something a little different. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, because there's really there's nowhere to hunt anymore. You know I mean? It's hard to get permission in a lot of these spots where there's deer. So, you know, um, I'll feel out the game wardens, you know, I'll ask them, um, you know, Hey, how do you feel about this spot over there? You know, and, you know, that's kind of, I'll ask them and, you know, they're, they're, they're great resources, you know, and they're all, um, nice guys. If you, you know, you can, you know, see how they feel about certain spots, you know, because they know the deal. If, there would be nowhere to hunt if you couldn't hunt spots like that. You'd be done. You know, there would be, there'd be nothing. So, cause they know that the population has to be managed, you know? So right. as long as, um, yeah. you know, nobody's 
you know, creating any problems by hunting in these spots. They just let the locals kind of go to town on a lot of these areas, you know? And, mm-hmm. and that's, like I said, there, there's a lot of guys hunting these spots, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the area. It's just, there's, they're building everywhere around near me. So there's like nowhere to go anymore. It's getting really hard. You know, I lose a good spot every year, a good, one of my best spots, like all gone, you know? So now when you're finding these spots, Jace, um, mm-hmm. are you, are you seeing like most people, um, whatever attracted that buck that maybe you shot the year before, um, does usually another buck come in there and kind of take that over because of what that buck was liking, or are you seeing no. that? like adult population in there or the, the, it was the right setting for, for safety for him. Yeah. Or... Well, no, that's correct. There, there is a couple go-to spots that I have, um, you know, maybe like, maybe there's three, you know, um, three or four go-to spots that I have. And then most other stuff, like most mm-hmm. of my deer I, I get from tips because I have a, I have a okay. really good network of, of guys that give me tips. Um, you know, p- police guys, township guys, mm-hmm. um, so usually I'll know about any buck that's around, you know, here, and then I can go target it and try and get it, you know. I mean, for me, the hard part is not trying to get the deer. The hard part is finding one to get, you know, finding one to chase because there's just there's not a lot of big ones around, right. you know. It's right. hard, you know, like, you know, you go out Midwest, you know, you can sit in a woodlot and have one of any five big ones to come by. Here, mm-hmm. where I hunt, it's you could have five, six woodlots and and there's not one big one in any, you know, in any of them, <laughs> you yeah. know, so, you know, like, back in the day was different for me. Like when I first, even around here, when I first started hunting, I used to hunt a lot of fair chase and just, I, you know, now I, I bait a lot. Um, but I didn't back in the day just cause I had more time and I would just jump into these mm-hmm. woodlots. You could bow hunt anywhere back in the day around here. Nobody ever bother you. You can't do that anymore. Um, you know, everybody's got permission and yeah. it's just hard to, it's just there's so many guys now doing bow season, but I used to just hang and hunt everywhere back in the day, and just you know, now it's like I said, for me to to go hunting now, I gotta know there's a good one in there, and I'm gonna be specifically mm-hmm. going when I think I can get them. You know, minimal minimal time invested. Um, yeah. So, so you're relying on your you're relying on your network a lot. Oh, you got yeah. a good network of people, and, and and you're probably doing a little bit of driving in in a. Uh, evenings and stuff like that with the family taking the kids to practice and maybe drop them off and take a little spin around the, the lap 100 you know, percent. that's yeah. exactly right yep driving around just trying to see if there's some good ones and you know and i'll just go for it you know um but that's one thing that i have now is i i've you know no matter how good of a hunter you are you know you really you gotta learn it comes down to like just knowing where to go you know, and, and where you could potentially mm-hmm. find one once there's one. Cause like, I know every, all the areas around here now. So like, usually when somebody sees one, I'll know how to get it, you know, cause there's only so many places you can hunt around here, you know? So it's like, right. you know, um, yeah, but you know, what about winter, winter, winter scouting, Jace, do you do much winter scouting going there and see like, um, like you said, you don't go into the woods a lot. You're trying to hit it from the sides and coming in, in. So you're controlling your exit and the entrance, but do you blast through some of those places in the wintertime to see where that other guy might've been hunting that block and how he's accessing it and how the deer are going to avoid that no. guy? Do you do no, that? I don't really no. um, study what the other guys are doing, you know, um, because okay. the way I look at it now, um, what I kind of figured is like, 
if you're worrying about what the other guys are doing, you're just never going to have fun hunting around here because there's always right. a guy, you know, any, any guy. Mm -hmm. So like, um, I don't, I don't let these guys bother me. I don't care what they're doing. They can do whatever they want. You know, I'm just doing what I'm doing, you know, and, um, I, I do love winter scouting, you know, like, and especially in the snow, man, there's so much to be learned from in the snow when you can see exactly where they're walking, you know, and how they're, how they're using mm -hmm. the woods. Um, I love that, you know, so that yeah. I'll try and do that. If I get a chance, just go and see where the deer are actually moving, you know, mm -hmm. in the winter. But yeah, that makes sense. So you're, you're still, you, you are getting a good lay of the land on some of those places. Maybe you didn't push in during the season, but, and then, there's going to be calm when you, especially when you go in the snow, there's going to be calm and um, where that buck is, you, you get on a big set of tracks and you walk through a, a spot, you know, the morning after a snowstorm or something like that. And you can see the way he's cutting across that, how he's, how he's using pressure or just a lay of the land in his own laziness to get from one spot to, to the other or whatever. Yeah. So, so it's a yeah. great technique. My, my buddy, Chris even did that in Kentucky when we were hunting out there, he, you know, followed this one big track out of the field that way back into the woods and he ended up using that to, to shoot this that big it was like 180 inch or um big monster out in the big woods so i remember i told him to do that i'm like chris just go follow the tracks back in the woods and he did it and he got the buck yeah. man it was the coolest that was so cool it was my favorite hunt in kentucky and i, I didn't even shoot anything you know just <laughs> just recovering that with him yeah. was so much fun but yeah it's a great technique yeah. man so much to be learned in the snow so, so, so were you raised up, were you raised up like in a, in a household that hunted all the time? I mean, for you to no. go out into the pine bear. Uh, okay. Interesting. No, I never shot anything. When we were a kid when I was young. Um, I just hunted and never killed anything. We, um, it's funny. You drive down a road and like you drive down outside road in Medford and you like look in the woods, like you can still see all the wood tree stands that I built like up in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> and I never killed anything out of them because nobody, nobody I knew haunted you know um i mean just me and my buddy mike and we loved it but we just didn't know what to do and we yeah. just built tree stands and we had to learn i learned everything on my own you know and when i was learning was before the internet and all that so i just learned from trial and error pretty much you know so what what was was there anybody that that showed you ropes or you saw somebody like on tv or in a magazine hunting and said you might want to try it or like how did that how that even come about like for you just to start figuring it out Without yeah. Uh, no, I just learned a lot by trial and error, you know, and then I read books because, you know, when I was getting into it, the Internet wasn't even big yet, you know. So I I did read some books back in the day that, that did, you know, that was my only other source of knowledge that I had, you know, really got other than learning from myself. You know, um, there was one guy, Greg Miller, uh -huh. who I used to read his books, you know, back in the day. And that was I remember I, I do think I learned um, a good amount from his books. That was nice. You know, I, I remember like just reading. I was like, oh, yeah. But like well, just a lot of trial and error, really, especially especially with the bait game, because there's no literature available on that. A lot of guys kind of look down on that, you know, but I think nowadays it's pretty mainstream. And I actually want to write a book on that because there's not one that's out there. And I'm not afraid to write about it. I don't really care. You know, I think <laughs> right. a lot of guys are afraid to write on a controversial topic, but, um, I have it pretty nailed down, you know, and mm -hmm. it's a deadly technique to have, you know, it's not the only thing I do, but it's, you know, it's, 
I mean, everybody's doing it, you know, Kansas, Ohio. I mean, it's food plot. I mean, food plot bait, the same thing. Just, you know, guys bait and wish they could have or afford a food plot, you know, <laughs> just yeah. not a reality for a lot of guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's a cool tool to have in your bag of tricks, you know? So I, I do want to try and write something on that, you know, just cause like I said, because there's nothing about it, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, so a lot of guys don't think it, it's, it works, you know, for like big mature bucks, but that's far from the truth. You know, it's hunting over bait is, is, is a something, it's just, you know, a technique that you would develop like tracking, you know, um, really? it's no different. If you know how to do it, you know, I can kill any deer on bait. The, the biggest, baddest, most pressured deer around. If I want, you know, it's not always the best way, but I, I know I can do it, you know. So I feel like I just want to share with some people what I'm doing and, you know, maybe um, stoke some people out someday, you know, that want to try and do, do it that way, you know. So one day. Yeah, certainly. I know I know a bunch of killers that, that bait, you know what I mean? It might not be 100% of what, how yeah. they hunt, but you know, 50, 60, 70% if, if the, the setup is yeah. right for them and I, and they kill some big bucks off it. So it, it's, yeah. I don't have any, you know, um, yeah, there's, there's plenty of people that, that, that get it done that way. I got, like I said, I got three or four friends that are really, really successful yeah. at it with big bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good method, you know, like I said, it's, it's not the only thing, but it's just, you don't see anything written about it. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. like, oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wouldn't mind trying to help out some guys who want to do it, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So, Hey, why don't, why don't we uh, go back in time a little bit here and go back to some, when you were, you know, releasing CDs oh, yeah. and DVDs and, and all that kind of stuff. Let's go through your timeline a little bit with your, with your filming yeah. and your hunting. Cause you got some really killer stuff, dude. I, yeah. I used to record um, with a group of guys from Jersey and stuff yeah. like that. And man, I always, love, I always love watching your yeah. stuff. Back in Thanks, those days. man. Yeah, that was fun, man. That was a good time. I hooked up with that guy Brian, and um, we uh, mm -hmm. we had a lot of fun doing that. You know, just that's back was that was the perfect time in my life because I had no kids. My wife at the time, what well, wasn't my wife, but she worked um, afternoon and night. So I left work, and that was when the economy was slow. You know, starting to slow down at the end of that. Mm -hmm. And I used to just, yeah. I used to leave i would be i was addicted man i used to leave work every day and hunt i would hunt every single day you know or film one of the guys you know for six months every single right. day it was like if i didn't go i felt like i was like missing out it was like an addiction you know and um we just yeah. used to film and hunt i mean just go everywhere i used to drive up to you know princeton and somerset county i, mean, I was sailing we were everywhere just you know filming guys or, or hunting you know, and we had a lot of fun with that, man. You know, it just um, got hard at the end just from for time restraints, you know, because it was hard to, to a lot of time invested in putting those together, videos and, and all that. And we we stopped doing yep. it and we were like, ah, let's take the easy way and film for somebody else, you know. And then um, we yep. tried that and then we just, you know, I faded out of it first and then my buddies eventually faded out of it, you know. But. Okay. So you. Did you, you, you guys were filming with, with Trent Cole yeah, a little bit there yeah. for a while. I thought if I don't. If yeah. I'm, we yeah, filmed okay. with, with those guys for a little bit and then, um, I dropped out of that and then my buddy Brian kept doing that. And then eventually he stopped filming, you know, for them. Um, it's just, mm -hmm. see, for me, 
I just always loved to film, you know, like always. Like I was filming yeah. deer from the tree stand and with, a, with a VHS thing, you know, back in like 2002, you know, yeah. like I just used to love to film and like I love right. film, like not even filming deer hunts. Like, you know, I make the videos of my kids and I just love film. So always like that. But what I didn't like was um, the pressure involved with like needing to film your hunts and trying to appease the sponsors and stuff like that. It was just, it was taking a little bit of fun out of it at the end for me. So mm-hmm. that's kind of why I got out yeah. of it just because I didn't want to have any pressure. Like I just want to hunt f- for myself, you know, and, um, yeah. and, and do that. But I will say there's absolutely nothing in the world cooler than being in the tree with your friend and filming them, like shoot a deer. Like that's the best man. Like all my favorite hunting memories when I think back, it had nothing to do with me shooting any deer. It's filming my friends kill deer, like, and seeing their excitement. Like that's like, that's, Oh my God, that's the best man. I just, so many great memories of hunts that I filmed, you know, when I think of that, that's what I think of me filming my buddies. So nothing beats that. It's just hard with time wise to hook up to do that nowadays, you know, but so you, you guys hunted, um, if I remember, I mean, you guys went out to the Midwest yeah. a little bit with some of your filming. Yeah. I think you did some Delaware hunts, some early season yeah. Delaware stuff yeah, over the years. Did. That was fun, man. Yeah. We used to lease down there and, and then lease in Maryland. And, um, you know, we did mm-hmm. the Iowa stuff. I mean, it was fun, man, you know, doing all that. Um, it was a good time, you know. That's hard to balance <laughs> that nowadays with your kids, though. That, yeah, that kind of stuff. it's really hard, you know. And, and now I got... Yeah. You know, I go up and I film Hal, you know, every November up in the Maine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's like my trip that I do now, you know, because it's hard, you know, to leave for work and kids, you know, for an extended period of time. So the only thing I really leave for anymore is go film him and, and go learn from him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So how did now how did you get hooked up with Hal? I mean that's that's a that's the yeah. dream uh, for a big woods guy. That's that's the dream guy to it be is. hanging out with there. How how that help? Well, that's funny. Together? I called up there. Well, when, the first time I went to Maine, I actually found his book in the cabin, and they, they had it in there, and I read it, and I was okay. like, oh, this dude's cool," you know. And <laughs> I uh, I knew who he was from that because I found that book. So in 2013, I I I was going to try and or 2020, 2012, I don't know. It was about 10 years ago. I mm-hmm. called his place. That's when he had Cedar Ridge Outfitters because I wanted to maybe try a okay. different area and hunt his area. And I told them they were sponsoring. Okay. They used to, the TV show we were filming for with Trent Cole, they had, um, they were doing filming up there, bear hunts at that lodge. I told them, I said, I filmed for, you know, for Blitz at the time. And there was like, He's like, oh, well, Hal's mm-hmm. looking for a cameraman to film his moose hunt. And I was like, oh, I'll go do that, you know? <laughs> so, because I yeah. love, you know, I, I've always wanted to kill moose. So, I was like, I don't, I don't have to be the killer. I'm yeah. there with the camera. It makes no difference. So, I was like, oh, yeah, count me in. So, I filmed his moose hunt. And that's how I met him and became friends with mm-hmm. him. And then he's like, oh, yeah, you know, you want to come and start filming deer? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, now I go up yeah. and I learn from him every year, you know, and, um, that's been really awesome, man, because there's just so much to learn from that guy. He is a, he is a master in the woods. There's like, he's the real deal. I mean, like I know a lot mm-hmm. of guys that hunt and, and, you know, they're probably pretty well-known guys, but this dude is 
he is the real deal. I mean, he's so good yeah, in the they're, woods. They're, you can't you can't fathom his navigation skills. You know, in the woods, his woodsmanship it's 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 fun to watch. Yeah. There's no, there's no fake in that, Jace. There's no fake in uh, the success in the big woods. You you know what I mean? Where there's no, like I said, there's no bait piles. You're not in, in the Midwest and hunting a strip of woods, a hedgerow, and all that kind of stuff. There's no fake in being a good deer hunter, being successful there. And and that's why I love to learn from him. Is it's you know it's a totally different world. I mean, that's what I really want to be doing. You know I mean? I do what I do here because it's where I live, mm-hmm. you know, for my kids. I, it wasn't for my kids. I wouldn't yeah. live here. So, you know, I'd be long gone. Right. Um, but you know, I've devoted my life to them at this point. So, you know, that's why I'm here. But anyway, that's my true love, uh, the tracking and the big woods. You know, I was doing that for years before I started filming how, you know, I just, I want to go up and, and do the big woods and I don't want to see another guy. I'm going to be in the middle of nowhere, one deer per square mile. You know what I mean? That's, that's my, that's my real love. Yeah. You know, um, when I'm not here, you know, sitting behind a house or sitting over a bait pile or, you know, industrial park or something. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, just, you know, I have learned so much from him and, and so much from following those deer tracks, you know, living the life of that deer, seeing what they do every day. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. that's, I love that. (laughs) So I bet you do, man. And it's beautiful country. Like you said, there all the pressures of yeah. the way we hunt down here, you know, where you, you never really know what you're getting into when you, when you step out of the car, you know, out of the truck in the morning and you yeah. start heading into the woods, you really don't know up there. You know that, Hey, I got a huge chunk of woods and I'm not going to run into any other people. It's going to be quiet. I might hear yeah. a logging truck off in the way or some skitters in, in a couple of, you know, yeah. but yeah, that's awesome. And that's what hunting really ultimately it really yeah, is that is hunting you know absolutely what I mean? That's, yeah. it is i love yeah. it you know I, I killed a couple bucks up there in maine and like i was hooked you know and like i said i don't have to be the killer i've been killed enough deer i don't really care so for me to go up there and hunt next to him it don't matter to me you know what i mean i mean i've, yeah. I've given up my opportunities yeah. to hunt there because to film him but i mean eventually when i start to get more time i'll, I'll be able to spend time up there and, and hunt for myself but the snow hasn't been good you know so we have had lousy snow yeah. the last bunch of years. So it's like, you know, except for that one year, um, which he tagged out early, but I'll, I will hunt up there in the future. You know, I just, and it hasn't aligned right, right now with the filming of him. So, but like I said, so earlier, Jason, earlier, you mentioned that you get three to six bucks. So you're, you're hunting every season available to you. Oh yeah. What, whether, whether it be bow, muzzle load, shotgun, all that. Yes. So do you have do you do you have a preference or not really? No, I don't really care. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Bow, gun, you know, whatever. Um and yeah, like I said, I mean I mean obviously the bow's the coolest. But um the the thing around here is now, um, you know, I used that crossbow last year for for or twenty 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 for the first time. It was funny because I never thought I'd use one of those, you know, it just wasn't my style. But like, they're, they're like a rifle, you know? So like I got one for my son because he's 10 now and he can't pull back his 35 right. pounds, you know? So I got one for right. him and I, I took it out the one time and I'm like, damn, this is, this is like, it was a weird feeling to have that, you know, like it was just, I mean, it's like a rifle, man. He has, um, you know, one of Ravens, you know, 
and oh, yeah. that thing is deadly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's not as cool as the bow, but whatever, you know, I'm just, there's so much competition now. It's getting worse and worse every year here. So like, I just, you know, I'll do whatever advantage I can get. You know what I mean? If I got to set a spot up at 50, 60 yards, I'll bring that crossbow, you know, now. Um, but if it's close, I'll bring the bow, you know, if it's, you know, a decent spot or sometimes just want to be with the bow, but it don't matter to me. I'm a whatever yeah. guy. It's hard to hunt gun around here. There's only a few spots you can't hunt gun, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. that's a more difficult <clears throat> thing to, so to, you said to, the, wait, was it, what, uh, didn't mean to cut you off there. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the hard part with the, with the, over the interwebs. Oh yeah. Trying, trying to have a, trying to have a conversation. Sure. Um, but you oh. said in 20, in 2020, you got a, um, a record buck. Was that with a crossbow? Yeah. Yeah. That was my, that was my, um, okay. yeah, that was a, exactly. That was the crossbow because that spot, um, I took it out because we had it and I hadn't had the time to practice with the bow a lot, you know? And I was like, ah, let me just give this thing a shot, you know? And, uh, took it out one with it. <laughs> can you can you explain that Uh, i mean i'm sure our listeners would like to hear how you get a a record buck you know what i mean like oh yeah i'll tell you the story so much detail or yeah yeah. i'll tell you the story um so this was one of the deer that um at that at the farm that actually bought um what i do is in the late season i'll feed i'll feed them deer like i'll feed the hell out of them it's really expensive but and um, I, I'll get a lot of bucks, you know, and a lot of deer. And it's like it's like their wintering ground. So he was one of the ones that I was trying to protect from all the neighbors and stuff, you know. And he made it. He survived. But he'd never come until late season. And early season came and I, I saw him um, in a field with a couple other ones. That was a good year. That was one of the few years when there's actually a couple of good bucks around here. So I saw him out there and um, I was like, oh, wow, check that out. And I knew where he was betting and um, where he was betting in the early season was a spot that I can't hunt. And, um, you know, it's just one of them spots that, you know, you're not going to get into. So long story short, um, you can walk at this piece, though. You can go, you can walk in there. So this is a technique that I learned um, maybe 10, not 10, about five, six years ago. So long story short, I found out um, when I walk in there and I kick them deer up, I know where they're going to go to one of my spots, to one of my other spots. So it was actually a really easy hunt. Um, I had watched him deer in the field. Um, I knew he was in there with a couple other bucks. And uh, there's two good ones in there, actually, which just never happens. But it did in 2020. I saved them both by feeding them all winter. And um, so I knew they were going to go back to their safety zone. So um, I, I just, and you know, I said they react to pressure. So basically um, like a couple days before the season, I walked in there where all them bucks were and I kicked them up and I got that deer on the camera in, you know, that afternoon I knew mm-hmm. he was, I knew where he was going to go once he got pressured. So I was like, all right, that's cool. So right. I went back in the next day and the deer went back in there to bed again. And then I kicked them out again. And then after that, it only takes like for them big ones and big mature ones, the pressured ones that I'm trying to hunt, it only takes like two times and they're not going back. Yeah. 
Yeah. So he moved into that spot. Mm -hmm. That was one of the easiest hunts of my life. Um, I went to the spot and I just got set up and, and I shot the buck in like 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> it was like, it was just, I lucked out. I just, you know, I got lucky, you know, but. So basically I, he was, he was bedded up in this area where nobody could hunt, but you yes. had anybody, anybody could walk that property. Yes. So you're basically bump, bumping them out of there and you yes. knew his backup safe, safe spot. Exactly. Exactly. Sweet. So Sweet. that's all, you know, that's what I did. I just went in there, kicked them up. And then, um, you know, he came to where I knew he would be, you know, just from experience, I learned where they run to when you do that, you know, yeah, yeah, because yeah. that happened yeah. with my, um, record buck, the other, the other one that I shot, the other velvet one, I shot him the year before a uh, late season and he disappeared. He vacated that lot and I never saw him again for like a month. And then I thought he might've been dead. So we walked into where. Um, we thought he, he would be, this was a township piece that you, you know, that you can't hunt. It's posted. So, um, so we walked in there looking for him and he jumped up and, and stare my buddy, you know, face to face at like 20 yards. And then that same night I got him on the camera for the first time in like a month. And I was like, wow, that works, you know? And that's actually how I killed that buck too. Um, I went over and kicked him out, you know, and, um, you know, I just knew where he would go just like the, the one we were talking about. So that was the hunt, yeah. you know, it was nothing too much about it. It was just knowing where they're going to go to when the pressure comes on, you know? So it, it really, J Jace, there's a lot of guys that, that hunt buck oh, yeah. beds and they, they hunt the same, they hunt the same way though. You, you know what I mean? Like you mm -hmm. have areas where you, you know where you can set up on them, but they're not going to get back to that second or third bed until the pressure's on higher in around the Oaks. So a lot of guy, a lot of bed hunters like that will wait until a little bit farther into the season when they start seeing the, the guys parking at the parking spot and they know they're going back to that one spot, but they're not, they don't know that there's two or three more beds that those bucks are going to go to. And then you can get those bucks in those beds over there where nobody else is even going. So what you did is mm -hmm. genius, but other guys are doing that kind of, you, you know what I mean? That that's a, they're maybe not be doing the way you're doing because you're, you're on, on that hunt there. Um, you knocked them out of one spot into yeah. another whole block yes. because, but guys that are doing it in other places probably have a bigger woods and they know where they're going to go on their second or third yeah. pressured beds. You, yours just happened to be, they, he may went across the street or he might've went across, a, a, you know, through a bean field or something to get back to that, that piece mm -hmm. where you could hunt. So, but because you knew where the beds were, where, where you knew he was going. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. That's buck bed hunting one hundred and one. Really, yeah, I think the really interesting is. part about that's that good, is that's that good stuff. too. Well, in, in in the twenty twenty one you just shared, like, a lot, like I've all often thought in the past, like if you kick you kick up any mature buck, like he's gone. He he. I mean, if even if it's the first time, he's gone. But yep. what you just, I mean, you Correct. just qualified the fact that no, he's coming back. It's good. You know, they might be a little bit stubborn. Might take two two or three times. Right, but at some point enough is enough. So you need to have that Intel of when you do spook a buck, you know, where, where, where's his plan B. And that's, yeah. that's what you caught. That's what you conquered on them. 
Yeah, because I've learned this area, yeah. and that's how I killed my muzzleloader buck that year. That buck is a 140s buck, too, and that was a highly pressured deer. That one was – there was a lot of guys after him, and he you know, he had an arrow hole in him and everything. And um, Jeez. what happened is my buddy had him up the street here on camera. I knew of the deer – you know, any big buck around here, everybody knows about. So I knew of him. My buddy had him on his camera up the street off and on, and he went in there – to shoot a doe where he had that buck on camera in a small, smaller woodlot. And I'm, he's like, oh, yeah, I just shot two does over there today. And I was like, what? Like, really? <laughs> so for, he's like, yeah, I was just, you know, I shot him. I was in, the, in and out. I recovered them both really fast. And I'm laughing. I'm thinking, you know, really? So, so that, Did you blow it up? <laughs> so I don't, that was a really hard to kill deer. That deer just wandered. So long story short, that, that, he did that that day and he walked in there, shot them two does. That buck moved across the entire township to the other side of the town, like two miles away and maybe three. Hmm. And um, I only know because I got a tip from a township guy. He goes, oh, yeah, they, they saw a big nine pointer. And I already knew what buck it was, you know, because yeah. I said <laughs> not many around. Mm -hmm. no. So I went up and I set up in this. It ran to the biggest woodlot in the whole township. And. I went up and put on a pair of waders and walked through the swamp to get to the other block because all the guys hunt at one side. And I end up shooting that deer walking along the edge of that swamp with the muzzle loader. Um, that was a really cool hunt, but that was because that dude kicked that deer out of there, you know? Mm -hmm. And he ran. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where that buck was going to go. I just, luckily, I got that tip. And I guess, I'll never forget it. I was like, that's yeah, awesome. I just I thought of that woodlot. I'm like, I know there's like three guys hunting the other the other side. This one's the problem. This is the biggest one around. I mean, it's a couple hundred acres, I think. And I just thought to him, I had scouted it before, you know, but never really hunted it. And um, I shot that buck on the first mm -hmm. sit in that, and I ever did in that block. It was pretty cool. So, yeah, that's so, awesome. So knowing where those other guys were hunting did yeah. pay off. And you coming in the back door, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, that eh, yeah, that, that's good stuff. It man. was. I found the that's only really route good. you yeah. could get through that swamp without going underwater, <laughs> you know. And it took some yeah. time, but <laughs> I, I did it, and um, and that's how I was able to get him. I actually shot across the swamp though to, to get him. I sat on the other side of it, but um, yeah. So anyway, it's pretty much same technique, except I didn't bump him. I let somebody else do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good deal. I was going to say, like, you you have um, a lot of guys, you know, me included, I'll use cameras to get inventory and everything. And you oh, yeah. have an incredible knowledge of your inventory. And I have a sense that it's kind of spread out all over a county or two counties or something along those lines. I mean, you mentioned earlier you want to be within five to ten minutes. Yeah. So you're probably hunting, you're probably hunting smaller parcels acreage, acreage wise mm -hmm. with maybe you just mentioned a couple hundred acres here and there. But yeah like the your your net if you will it's like you're casting a net over this huge area mm -hmm. and you're 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 it's such a I, i'm impressed by the fact that you can you know what these deer are going to do when a specific thing happens and it's not like one piece of woods this is urban areas where they're moving plenty of places to go yeah and you're able you're able to stay on top of it i mean that i imagine that has taken you know many years to, to, to figure that out, but you seem yeah. like you figured it out. 
I, I'm, I'm exactly. I mean, I'm always learning. You know, I like. I mean, I, and like I always approach every day. Like I'm just trying to learn. Like you know, it's funny because, like you know, you hear these guys, they're so-called experts and stuff, and they're talking, and it's like I feel like I've. I kind of explain it like it's like barely know anything about it. You know what I mean? There's such a mysterious. <laughs> They're all different, mm -hmm. you know, they're all doing different things. It's just so hard to like, you know, you can't, you see guys writing all the time. Oh, well, what's this, you know, what's this, you know, is this, what's this deer going to do? Or wh where should I, what should I do here? But mm -hmm. it's just, it's like, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like, I feel like I barely know anything about these deer. I mean, I've probably killed, you know, around a hundred fully mature whitetail bucks. And I feel like, Mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm learning every single day, every minute I'm in the woods, I'm still learning, you know, it's just like, you're yeah. never going to stop learning. And that's the way I approach every day. You know, anybody that's talking about hunting, like, I want to hear what they have to say. I want to learn from them. Like, there's just, you know, that's why I like doing these things. And I love listening to them when I get a chance, because I want to know what everybody has to say, you know? And like, and one thing I will say, yeah. like, you know, that's what it comes down to is learning your woods. And like, you know, when I go film with Hal up in Maine, the one thing that a lot of guys don't realize is, like, why he's so, besides the fact that he's a master in the woods, his advantage is he is always in the game because he knows where to go find those tracks. Like, when you go to Maine, I didn't realize this. There's miles of miles of wood, woods where there's no nothing. There's no sign. There's no deer. And you'd just be wasting your time, you know, trying to find a track in there. And... You know, and that's the way it is. But he has, you know, learned every single area where to go. So so just the fact that he's in the game at all times is a big advantage. Even if there was somebody that was a, a master tracker and they came up to his area, they wouldn't have half the chances him because they wouldn't know where to go like he does. You know, yeah. he doesn't want to pick a track up from the road. You know, he wants to wants to go into the woods and pick up a track, you know. He's not going to sit there and drive the roads. And I mean, we will, you know, and if we see one, we'll take it. But that's not the game plan every day. The game plan is we're going to go to where he thinks we're going to pick a big track up in the woods, you know, and do that. Yeah. I would have to assume, Jason, too, that, um, you know, that tracking stuff is getting a little bigger over the last 10, 15 years up yeah. in the big woods, too. And there, he's probably had a lot more competition Correct. than he did when he was younger. So, it's an advantage yes. for him to know places he can go when that snow hits and yes. everybody comes to Maine, you know, for that when and they're, they're chasing the snow around. It's an yes. advantage for him to know, Hey, we're going to park right here. We're going to drop down. We're going to go over two ridges and there's, we're going to pick up a track track yes. over on that other Ridge to get away from all the, the guys that are just road, road hunting and looking for tracks. That's advantage. a huge advantage when there's yep. pressure that's from other exactly people. Right. So that's why, yeah. like I said, around here, I mean, yeah. that's one, my advantage now is I'm just, I'm learning really well how to use each area, you know, where they're, when I know of a good one, you know, that's one thing that I've mm -hmm. just kind of getting better at each year is just knowing what to do in every, in every woodlot, because a lot of these deer have repeatable patterns, you know, I mean, obviously every buck is different, you know, like some are hard to kill because they have a tight area, you know, and it's hard to approach them. But some are hard to kill because they just wander everywhere and you can never pattern them. And I know one like that right now. Mm -hmm. That's going to be my target buck like for this year is is like that now. This year is all over the place. 
You know, he, he's even last year he was he's in a totally different spot right now than he was last year at this time, and now he's not even there anymore. I don't even know where he is. So I'm hoping my network of cameras will pick him up, but um, you know, yes. it's just this game that's never going to. I feel like I'll never master. <laughs> just keep learning, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, we're, we're coming up on that hour. We want to be uh, courteous of your time. I will say one thing that there's a lot of things that you shared on here that if uh, the people that are in the podcast and, um, you know, network and, and uh, community and, and all that kind of stuff, you shared some things here today and some perspectives that a lot of people mm-hmm. are not getting on some of sure. the other podcasts. Sure. You, you know what I mean? Um, you have the Hal stuff, the, the bait stuff. Guys aren't talking about th- those kind of things and they, they can't talk about walking the woods yeah. with Hal. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. always a couple of people in the right. world that can say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's yeah, really, really cool. Um, but I, sure. I do have a question for you though. Did you ever own a, did you ever own a, a ratted out, yeah, jacked up absolutely. samurai? <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. You know how I know that? No. You know how I know that? Oh, I bought it so, in your area. I, yeah, she yes, did sir. in Westville, New Jersey, because I had a I had a, a guy, uh, uh, Tommy Wagner, yes. that was my apprentice, and we were and I was getting him into bow hunting and this and that. I said, "Dude, I tell you what, there's a guy from Jersey that kills some slobs, and I want you to watch this YouTube video." And and he's like, "Well, really? Well, what does he look like?" I said, well, "He looks like a little." He looked, right, I said, "He looks right. like a beach bum, dude. Yep, he looks yep, like a surfer yep, dude yep, or something." Yep. You know what I mean? And he's like what the blonde hair he says and and he told me he said he goes i sold and then i showed him the video he's like that's the guy that's the guy his name is jason d something he says he goes all he asked me about the whole time he's like yeah yeah yeah. i'll, I'll send somebody over with a trailer to get the, the samurai don't worry about that but you live right here by this ditch you guys got some big bucks down here don't you that's what you were asking him like you guys got some big bucks running around these ditches along the so longest tidal water yeah that was so, that is a is that funny, funny thing. And I still right. have that. It's parked out here. That was what I used to yeah. use for the Pine Barrens, you know, back in the public land and stuff, man. That is so funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to let him know you still got it. Yeah, I'll, man. I'll text it's him right out back. It's so funny, man. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, hey, like I said, I, I want to be uh, – we want to be courtesy cur- – courtesy have courtesy for your time um we're coming yeah. up on an hour here um one of the things and you did yeah. share some stories already but it, this doesn't have to be hunting this could be a hal thing this could be what you you know something of your own it could be uh something with your son daughter anything but one of the things that we we kind of close out with with our guests is we since it's the seek wilderness podcast mm-hmm. we always like to ask uh someone to tell us an epic story of something that happened to them or something that, that, um, from their, their time when they've been out there seeking wilderness and for us seeking wilderness, it doesn't necessarily mean you're up there with Hal. It could be that, that 10 acre block that you were talking about with, with, with the yeah. 170. You know what I mean? It, it could be any, any place like that. Oh yeah. Wilderness. So if you got a story, well, we'd really love to it hear goes it. Jason. Back to, like I said before, my favorite hunting memories are all filming, you know? And, um, I think when I think of an awesome hunt, um, I think of the one time I had shot, this was when we were filming and we, we videoed this hunt. This was on uh, one of the outdoors addiction things. And I think of my buddy, Sean, um, he's, you know, one of my best friends and he, 
I had killed a, a nice 10 pointer, um, you know, the day before. And this was the last day of the season. He hadn't killed anything. And this dude's a serious hunter like me, you know, and he was like stressing out about it. And, you know, he was part of the outdoors addiction thing. He wanted to film, you know, so he's, like, you got any ideas? And I was like, yeah. I said, let's go, you know, hunt, um, in the, in the tree farm over here or in the woods next to it. Um, some out of state owners own this, um, big chunk of woods next to the thing here. So, you know, all the local guys, and we would go in there and, um, I hunted there before. So, but I had another go-to spot in the back of this, in a, a different property. So I never forget it though. I was like, yeah, I'll take you out. Let's go film and we'll do a hang and hunt somewhere, you know, random hang and hunt. And like I said, it, this is getting to be the time when the big bucks are super scarce, hard to, you know, unless you know of a big buck, you're probably not going to see one. But so we, we get the climbers, two climbers, and we walk all the way. It just had rained really hard. And we walked, you know, we drove to the back of this one property, walked all the way across these farm fields, go down to this ditch. And we go to my one good spot I had over there. There's always bucks cruising in here during the, the rut. And um, we go to get there and we can't hunt but we can't get across the creek cause it just had rain. And it was like, normally we just walk right across it. And it was like four feet of water in there. And I remember his face like, dude, I'm not killing anything. You know, this sucks. You know, he was like so bummed out. He's like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, well, let's go to this other woodlot over here. You know, we'll try something else. You know, other go-to spots. Let me get back in the truck. We drive to, you know, to this other area and we go in the woods and we set up in this tree and we, it was a double tree and we put a climber on each side. Oh no, no, we didn't have a climber. That was the, this, we couldn't get a climber in this. So I brought the pegs and two hang-ons. So I went up and I pegged this tree and, uh, he, we go up the tree and we didn't see anything, you know, and it's a wide open woodlot. You know, you could see right through it real open. We weren't seeing anything and I could see it in his face. You know, he wanted one so bad. And he looks at me, I'll never forget it. And he goes, ma'am, he goes, you really think we're going to see anything? And I'm like, yeah, I do. You know, and no sooner I say that, we look up and we see this trail of does coming. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we're looking and all of a sudden we see in the back, there's a big buck in the back, like following the does, you know? And we were just like, we couldn't even believe we saw a good one, you know, like a real shooter, like what would be the odds of that? And, uh, so right. his deer was, you know, probably 150, 200 yards out. And um, he, I hit the grunt tube. I was just like, I'm just going to grunt this buck in, you know. And I grunted, I hit the grunt tube. You know, we're filming this whole thing. And I hit the grunt tube and that buck came in on a string right to the tree. And mm. big old neck on the center, forget it, big body. And it stops and he smokes the deer, runs like a, 30 40 yard loop and starts like doing the dance you know and then just crashes mm. it was like the best video right. ever and uh <laughs> um i'll never forget his face i mean it was like the excitement he never killed a buck like that fair chase before like not over bait or anything you know he's always a bait hunter yeah. and he didn't have any high expectations i don't think and um he, he was you know he was so excited that I think I I couldn't even sleep for two days because I was so excited from watching him. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and we made the video. Right. And it, it just it was like the, the impossible hunt that happened. It was the last day of the season, you know. 
uh, or the mm. the perm or the fall bow seasons, what it was. So that's my one. Like when I think of like one of my favorite hunting stories, I just think of that, and I just think of his face and the excitement um, after we shot the deer, you know. And I filmed the whole thing, so I always have that now to watch, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that yeah. was that was pretty cool, man. That that's probably the story you were thinking of when you said some of your f- most favorite earlier in the, in the uh, yeah. discussion, you said something about the, the expression on your friend's face when you're filming some that's of my right, favorite man. memories. Yeah. That's, my, that's yeah cool. him, and, him and my yeah. buddy Ryan, you know, that, that video is on YouTube. We killed that nine and a half year old buck in the pine barrens at one time hanging hunt. That was another one. Those two hunts are, they were, they were some of my favorite, mm-hmm. man. So that's my, that's my fun, my epic story that I think of when I think of a great hunt, you know, it had nothing to do with me killing a big buck. All my biggest buck stories, you know, they're not even exciting. I was by myself, you know, and just nothing, to, but that was cool. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's really cool, you. man. So where can everybody go look, look at this, uh, uh, that story that you just shared, is that on YouTube or is that? No, like on that's a not okay. on YouTube. That's only on the outdoors addiction video. But, um, okay. if you search my name, you can on Google, YouTube, I think you can see the other hunt that I spoke of, um, the, okay. the nine and a half year old pine buck. I just say nine and a half cause that's in the title of the video and it was aged at nine and a half. But, um, that was, you know, that one you could watch on YouTube, but the other one, yeah, unfortunately I don't, I don't have that. I probably should put that on there, but I just don't have the time <laughs> or have enough time. <laughs> yeah, but, right, right. yeah, it was good stuff. So, but yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. good deal. Well, hey, if, if, I, I don't know if you're sharing much content or anything like that right now, but where where can people find you if they want to just kind of follow you with, with the uh, the Big Woods Bucks guys and, and and that kind of stuff? Is just yeah. YouTube or go ahead and, and uh, to yeah, tell people I mean, where they can really, find you. The only thing I don't really do much anymore, man. Unfortunately, you know, like I just I, I don't even like I'm part of Big Woods team, but like I don't even share my kills with with the you know on there <laughs> i mean the best way to really yep. would probably just be on regular facebook i mean i don't even put all my stuff on there but i do put some stuff on there you know um i just mm-hmm. you know getting in the spotlight a little too much back in the day like you know it just it seems like a lot of guys are not are jealous and not really happy for anybody doing you know getting a lot of deer so i yeah. kind of faded away from sharing a lot of stuff unfortunately yeah. but i mean you know i have my mm-hmm. stuff on youtube and um you know, I'll always be trying to help Hal put his videos together on Big Woods Box. You know, I mean, that's every year. That's my goal, man. Film him and put together something nice of what we did, you know. So, but I mean, other than that, just YouTube and Facebook, you know. Um, I'll be on there, you know, doing my thing, you know. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Good yeah. Good deal. Well, Jason, I want to I want to thank you so much, man, for uh, spending some time. I know it took us a, a couple of times yeah. scheduling to get you on here and, and uh, be able to get this together. But you're going to be part of what what we're calling the the uh, August Whitetail Primer Month. So we got a bunch of people that we consider experts and and on techniques and and uh, some guys yeah. are equipment guys, some guys yeah. are killers like yourself. You know what I mean? And and uh, we're just tr- trying to get some stuff out there this month to to get people fired up for the seasons that are coming up. Yeah. So. Um, we, we thank you so much for your time, Jace. And, um, you know, how we always close it out is we'd like to tell everybody, if, if you uh, like what you're hearing here, please share, rate it, and uh, go out there and, and uh, read read the good book. Uh, look up uh, Genesis 27.3 and figure out why God put that in the first book of the That's Bible. Right. 
Absolutely. Jason, thank you so much. Jason, you. I enjoyed it, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Nice meeting you. Good luck this you year, too. too. 